Being a Better Man, episode 119. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Storytime with Alf. Storytime is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. I grew up out in the country in Washington State, and it was kind of a sheltered life. There were a lot of things I was never exposed to as a kid, and I'm mostly glad about that. But one of the things I wasn't exposed to that I wasn't glad about is that I was not exposed to people of other races. Everybody was Caucasian when I was growing up in the 70s. I saw black people on TV, though, and once when I was very small, I asked my mom what the deal was with black people. I wanted to know why there weren't any around us and if there was anything else I needed to know about them. My mom told me that all people are the same. Everybody's just a person. But some people look different. Some people have darker skin, but it's no different than how some people are taller or shorter or fatter or skinnier than other people, and that it wasn't a big deal. They're just people, just like me. When my mom told me that, I was of an age that I believed everything she said, without question, and I had my answer. So that is exactly what I grew up believing. I didn't actually meet or talk to any black people until I started boxing around the age 14. My trainer took me up to Seattle and Tacoma to box, and I met a lot of people of other races. But I never thought much about it because, like my mom had told me years before, everybody's just a person, like me. Later on, when I joined the Army, I went to basic training, and there were lots of guys in my unit from many different races. And that's where I first started to notice some racial unrest. I noticed that some guys didn't like other guys just because of their race, and they would talk about them when they weren't around. Seeing this made me feel bad. I also noticed that when we weren't training, guys of the same race used to cluster together in little groups. I thought this was strange, and being a naive country boy who was eager to learn more about the big world... I would insert myself into these groups of other races. Most of the time, in basic training, people were friendly to me, and I made some good friends among these other groups. But that made some of the white guys treat me different, which I thought was just stupid. Now, I wasn't totally ignorant. I knew what racism was. I had learned about history, and I was well aware of the persecution some races had gone through. I just didn't understand why it seemed to be continuing. After all, my mom had told me that everybody was just people, like me. And that's what I grew up believing. After basic training, I was sent to Fort Hood, Texas. On my very first day reporting to my unit, the first thing I heard was a vulgar expletive that included the phrase, Another mother effing white ass honky. And it took me a couple minutes to realize that the guy was talking about me because I had never been referred to that way before. But as I would find out, that's kind of how it was in my unit at Fort Hood, Texas. 
It turned out that it was extremely racially divided between blacks and whites. For one thing, at least in my unit, the white guys were an extreme minority. There was probably six white guys for every ten black guys for some reason. And I was assigned to a vehicle along with two black guys and one Italian. During the day, while we were working, everything was fine. We would laugh and joke and tell stories with each other like guys do on the job. It seemed like we were friends. Then in the evening after work, the same guys who I had established a good rapport with during the day wouldn't even talk to me. I'd say hello in passing and be completely ignored. I would walk up to speak to them and they would walk away. I quickly noticed that, just like at basic training, people only hung out with other people who looked like them. And it really bothered me. I didn't want to live like this. I asked around about it, trying to understand. The white guys told me that's just how it was. We don't bother them and they don't bother us. And I asked my black co-worker about it during the day when he was acting like my friend. And he told me the same thing. Though he was a little more apologetic about it, he advised me that I should just do like everyone else and stay with my own kind. As far as I was concerned, my own kind was human. <laughs> I was 18 years old, far away from home, and I was miserable. I didn't understand all this racial division. None of it made any sense to me because I grew up believing that everybody was just a person like me, like my mom said, and I still believed it. And I kept trying to make a connection and bridge the gap between these groups of guys that I worked with during the day. And I kept talking to some of the white guys, too, trying to figure out why people acted this way. We had a day room with a TV and a pool table. It was kind of neutral ground, it seemed. All different kinds of guys would sit in there watching TV, playing pool. And that very first guy, the one that called me a name on my first day... He had a real problem with me for some reason. His name was P.F.C. Price. He called me names about every day and made fun of me and he would challenge me to fight him every chance he got, especially when I was in the day room and other guys were there to see it. I usually just ignored him. Even though he was bigger than me, he was about 6'5", I wasn't afraid of him because he was obviously a bully. And all bullies were, in my experience, cowards. One day, I finally got tired of it, though. He was doing his usual thing, calling me names and challenging me to go outside and fight him. So I suddenly stood up, looked at him, and said, Okay. Then I started walking toward the door. He said, What? I said, You've been wanting to fight, so let's go. Are you coming? And I walked outside and waited for him in the courtyard. A few other guys followed me outside to wait for PFC Price, but he never showed up. He completely chickened out and went to his room and never messed with me again. But this experience with PFC Price confirmed something for me. It confirmed once and for all that my mom was exactly right. People are just people. I anticipated how PFC Price would respond because he was a bully, and bullies were cowards, regardless of what color their skin was. People were just people. After that day, I started hatching a plan. I won't lie and say it was a good plan, but it was a plan. I had grown so tired of all the prejudice from both sides. It hurt my feelings. It made me sad that I couldn't just walk up to whoever I wanted to after work 
simply because I was a white guy. I thought the whole thing was stupid, and I decided to do something about it. I kept telling myself that people were just people, and one thing I knew about people was that humor was like magic. If you could make somebody laugh, it created an instant connection. I also knew that it was important to be able to laugh at yourself, to not take yourself too seriously. And somehow, these two things I knew came together in my 18-year-old, naive country brain in the form of a plan. And I'll tell you what my plan was, but I'm not recommending anyone else try it. Looking back, I realize it wasn't the smartest thing I ever did. It might have been my own level of ignorance and innocence that made it work in the first place, but it did work. So here's what I did. One day after work, everyone had divided up into their respective races, as they always did. Out in the parking lot, there was a group of about seven black guys talking and laughing amongst themselves in a circle. Well, I walked right up and just stood right there in that circle with them. And when I did, they all stopped talking and just looked at me, as though to ask what I wanted. I began just casually talking normally, as though I belonged there. But none of them responded. They just kept looking at me like I was kind of crazy. And that's when I launched Plan B. I started telling jokes. Not just any jokes. I was telling black jokes that I had heard white guys telling around the barracks. These were jokes about black people, and I was telling them to a group of black guys in the parking lot. After I told the first one, there was a cold silence. I think they may have even stopped breathing. They were not just looking at me now. They were looking at each other and then back to me like they were silently asking one another what they were going to do. I just kept going. I told two more jokes. I laughed at the punchline myself because no one else certainly was. And that's when I started to think that perhaps this was a bad idea. They all looked very, very angry at this point. I knew there was a certain amount of risk going into this. I realized I could get beat up. But I thought the possible benefits outweighed the risk. And I was prepared to get beat up. But I wasn't prepared to go on living this segregated lifestyle. After the third joke, I said, Come on, guys, doesn't anybody know any white jokes? Let's hear one. Again, silence. Then, to my great relief, one of the guys, I think his name was Harper, started telling a white joke. He got done, and all the other guys laughed, and I did too. And then another guy told a joke, and we all laughed again. This is exactly what my plan was, for all of us to laugh together. Then I told another black joke, and this time, they laughed at it too. Then I got off the racial jokes and just started telling regular old jokes, and we went back and forth like that, laughing together, laughing at each other, and laughing at ourselves. And all of these guys became friends of mine then, partly because they thought I was a little bit crazy, and maybe I was, but also because we got to know and respect each other as men. And after that evening, I was able to walk freely between the groups of races with impunity until I eventually left Fort Hood and went to Germany several months later. There were some holdouts on both sides. There were some grumbly redneck white guys and some black guys too that didn't agree with me or my position on things, but I didn't really care because... 
they weren't the kind of guys I would have wanted to be friends with anyway. When I got to Germany, the racial situation was much, much better because we were no longer identified by our race alone. Now there was another title that gave us all something in common in this foreign country. We were all Americans. And that's the end of the story. And you can all draw your own conclusions about the lessons I learned, but for me, this experience was more of a validation of something I had learned when I was a tiny boy from what my mother had told me about people, and I have found it to be true my whole life. If I had to summarize the things I got from this story, it would go like this. People are just people. Don't take yourself too seriously. Laughter is good for the soul, and the ability to laugh at yourself is priceless. And all bullies are cowards. Now head out into the world and treat everybody you meet like they're another person, just like you. Because they are. And if you get a chance to have a laugh at your own expense, take it. And don't take yourself too seriously, and it'll help you be a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad, signing out.